more with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between just one more cupcake and just one more kettlebell swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I'm Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It!, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. Before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Um, Oh, I wanted to read you something, Daphne, um, because we uh, gave like a hard push recently for people to rate us on iTunes, and I went on there and people gave us some really nice... Um, ratings, so or reviews. Are they um, saying nice things? They are about saying us? nice things. You guys are so nice uh, in your reviews. Uh, no one has been mean, which is really uh, kind of you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we have a bunch of new um, uh, reviews. This one um, says, Been listening for a few months now, and I love this podcast. If you're looking to make your health and fitness routines more awesome, this is the podcast for you. Oh, this other person says, these episodes lift my spirits and shift my outlook on topics that are so relevant with a perfect mix of seriousness and silliness. I know her. Oh, you do? Yeah, I do. Yeah, she's <laughs> one of my Hit It students. Aw. Yay. Um, well, shout out to people who have left us reviews. It's so nice. <laughs> yeah, I was like, are we naming? No, we're not naming them. We don't have to <laughs> yeah. name names. Um, they didn't ask for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you want to help the show um, and uh, make us feel good about ourselves, um, or just tell us uh, things you like about the show so we do more of them, Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Um, it you, The rating takes like two seconds because it's like click a number of stars. The review does not have to be like a well thought out essay. You can write one sentence and it totally matters. Um, so we really appreciate it. If you have a second, rate us on iTunes. That would be awesome. And it gives us a hit of endorphins. It's true. We're <laughs> endorphining out over here. We're thanks endor- to you guys. endorphin junkies. <laughs> We're a bunch of endorphins. <laughs> Oh, boy. I'm such an endorphin. <laughs> Me too. Yes. <laughs> um, well, today's episode was actually Daphne's idea. Um, she was like, hey, we need to do this episode. And I was like, you're absolutely right. Um, and we are going to talk about orthorexia, which is a word that is relatively new in the world of these things that we talk about on the show. Um, and so I'm excited to talk about it because it is a newer term. It's an idea that's still sort of being tossed around in the... Um, nutrition and wellness and medical community. Um, but I think it's a really useful one for us to talk about on the show. Um, so yeah. So what is orthorexia or what inspired you to email me? So, well, orthorexia is a relatively new thing in the, I would say in like the world of health and wellness in the sense that yes, a lot of eating disorder Uh, you know, specialists and therapists, they know of this, but I feel like awareness of this term orthorexia, it's just becoming a little bit more mainstream right now. Um, So the the term was coined in 1998 and now here we are 20 years later. um, And I am very, very glad that this word is getting a little bit more attention and that people are starting to talk about this. And the reason why I decided to bring this up was because I've been very open in the last, maybe the last few months about like my own personal journey with uh, eating disorders and my own personal journey with food and body and and um, the whole healing process from that. And when you make it to the other side, it, it's 
I almost feel like it's my social responsibility now to shed so much light on the way we've been living and the way we've been programmed to live and essentially the and we'll, I'll talk exactly about what orthorexia is but for a lot of people men and women so it's not just women but for a lot of people orthorexia has just been the way of life that they've lived their entire lives yeah. without even knowing it without even knowing that that is actually not the norm and that there are disordered behavior patterns in it. So, um, yeah, and then that, and I was, you know, Holly is one of my favorite humans on earth, and Holly is a body positive coach, and she has been on our podcast before, and I'm currently doing her eight-week program, and um, so she's just doing an online course, and just one of the things we were all talking about last week was this topic, orthorexia, diet culture. And um, I realized, like, I th- I felt like, I was like, oh, Joanna and I, we need to have, like, a cool conversation about this, and we need to shed some light and talk about this and unveil what exactly orthore- orthorexia is. Yeah, orthorexia is so interesting to me because um, the definition that I found was that it's an obsession with proper or, quote, healthful eating. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this is so in line with, I think, where diets are trending right now, mm-hmm. which is nothing wants to call itself a diet anymore. Everything wants to call itself like a healthy eating program or a lifestyle change, a healthy lifestyle change. Like, we're not here to help you diet, we're here to help you change your lifestyle. Because when you first say healthful eating or proper eating, like, that doesn't sound like a problem, mm-hmm. right? Um, which makes it so much trickier than, like, well, obviously so-and-so has a problem because they, um, you know, don't eat enough calories. Or obviously so-and-so has a problem because they're binging and purging. Um, it's like, actually, you can do behaviors. Two people can do the same, can eat the same foods, and one of them can have an eating disorder and one might not. Absolutely. Because the key to it is being obsessed with eating that way, mm-hmm. to be obsessed with healthful eating, yeah. or what they perceive to be healthful eating. So shall we just talk about what it is? Yeah. Okay, so what is orthorexia? So orthorexia is an unhealthy fixation on eating only healthy or, quote, pure foods. Um, like I said, this was originally defined as an eating disorder behavior in the 90s, and it's definitely been gaining steam in, the, in recent years. So unlike anorexia, Anorexia is the restriction of all foods. Orthorexia is obsession with the quality instead of the quantity of the food. So it's the quality of the foods that are severely, severely um, restricted. So warning signs and symptoms of orthorexia are compulsive checking of ingredient lists and nutrition labels, an increase in concern about the health of ingredients, cutting out food groups, Example, cutting out all sugar, cutting out all carbs, cutting out all dairy, cutting out all gluten, cutting out all meat, cutting out all animal products, um, an inability to eat anything but within a narrow group of foods that are deemed quote unquote healthy or pure, um, an unusual interest or fixation in the health of what others are eating, spending hours every single day thinking about what food might be served um, at social events, um, thinking about what foods might be served at 
uh, different restaurants and showing high levels of distress when safe or healthy foods aren't available, obsessively following food and healthy lifestyle blogs, accounts, um, Twitter accounts and Instagram handles, and then body image concerns. So uh, a lot of people have a lot of those things. <laughs> totally. But yeah, so, and, so those are some of the mm-hmm. top symptoms of orthorexic behavior. And one reason I think it's a really good idea for us to talk about this on our show in particular is that some of these are things that we have talked about, like checking the ingredient list. Yeah. Right? Like, that's a thing we've said on the show is check the ingredient list. Yeah. And there's nothing inherently wrong with knowing what ingredients in your food are mm-hmm. in your food. In fact, I think there's probably a lot to be gained from knowing what ingredients are in your food. But, like with so many things, there's a, bl- a blurry line, a slippery slope, where when it gets to the point where you have to check the ingredient list or you can't eat a food, or you check the ingredient list of everything you buy in the store, mm-hmm. or you think about the ingredient list when you're not at the store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like when those, when that thing starts to become intrusive and like getting in the way of the rest of your life, that's when we're talking about something that's more disordered. Right. And then also when high levels of stress happen, yeah. when one cannot get their hands on what they've deemed to be safe foods, um, or when high levels of distress happen, when someone um, eats something that is deemed to be in their category of forbidden foods, just the amount of pain and emotional turmoil that causes distress, stress, um, those are signs of uh, that inflexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are signs of um orthorexic behavior orthorexia is really a, a fixation an obsession yeah Once interestingly again, it's like, um in the dsm which is like what defines various disorders um orthorexia is not yet included in the dsm um there's a debate about i guess in the medical community about whether it's a standalone disorder or if it's a form of ocd mm-hmm. which i thought was really yeah. interesting um because like that fixation that you're talking about that like obsession about those certain things um, is really interesting. But for us, it doesn't matter if it's in the DSM or not. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a real it's a thing. real thing that describes a set of yeah. behaviors. Yeah, definitely. And the thing with, um, uh, you know, the thing with orthorexic behavior, like I said, it, it's very obsessive over the quality and the purity of their food. And um, the, people have go-to foods, but people also have have labels in terms of what it is they the way they eat all organic all farm fresh only whole only raw only vegan um only ketogenic only like whatever diet it is that they've kind of wrapped their identity around um i do feel like we've we live in this day and age where oftentimes um it is it has become the cultural norm and the societal norm to I get asking about food restrictions from an allergy and health standpoint. Um, However, I kind of challenge and ask everyone to get real honest with themselves. And if you are cutting out an entire food group to ask, like, is it really a health concern or is it just to be skinny? Right. And um, yeah, so there's a lot of inflexibility with orthorexia and then lots of emotional turmoil, if anything, unhealthy is eaten. So using terms like quote unquote unhealthy or bad um, 
And yeah, like I said, cutting and also a, a fixation and preoccupation with sickness and disease. Mm. So slight like hypochondria, um, worrying that if they eat any type of sugar, then they are deemed bad. Like mm. then they are immediately going to get diabetes. Or like if they eat any type of whatever it is that this person has deemed to be bad in that category. Like, oh, they've eaten gluten, therefore they're going to be inflamed. Oh, they've eaten dairy, therefore they're going to have mucus. Like, I'm just saying things off the top of my head. Or, oh, they've eaten sugar, therefore their insulin is going to be going haywire. Or, oh, they've eaten um, fat. Oh, no, like their digestive system's not going to be happy because it's processing, because fat's harder to process, right? Like, just creating these stories and creating these things that might not actually be true. And a big part of this is the wellness industry and also the health industry. Yeah, I want to talk about that, the sort of ideas and images and diets that help bring orthorexia into being. Yeah. Because this this didn't occur in a vacuum. This occurred in the world of, um, in the world that we live in. And uh, I think um, the ideas of, like, good foods and bad foods, mm-hmm. I think totally feeds into orthorexia. Yeah. Because, polarity. like, who doesn't want to eat the right foods, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. doctors are telling us to eat the right foods. Nutritionists tell us that there are, um, you know, good foods to eat, which sort of inherently means that there are bad mm-hmm. foods. Or we intuit that that means that there are bad foods. So I, on a personal level, mm-hmm. I think a lot of this boils down to control. Yeah. I think a lot of this boils down to control. I think that when people feel like they are able to control the quality of their food, it makes them honestly feel better and more at ease and less anxious about every other aspect of their lives. Mm -hmm. This is like a deep psychological dive. Um, This is something where if this is the case, Mm -hmm. someone might not even realize this on a conscious level. It might be totally subconscious. Um, Body dissatisfaction has to do with this. Um, People striving for health, striving for quote unquote health, wellness, wanting to be a part of this elite club yeah. of healthy, beautiful people who seem like they have it all. And so they get it by focusing on quote unquote health, but it still has to do with being skinny. It's like a socially the end acceptable of the day, way to diet. It's a socially acceptable way to diet. Totally. And um, I, th- there are a lot of things that cause it. Like yeah. there are a lot of things that cause it starting off maybe having good intentions and then leading it to having it lead into a full-blown obsession that can cause it um I think a lot of the sort of like miniature science that comes out about food feeds into this and by miniature science I mean like stuff that you see on the news that's like hey did you know that uh this food uh is good for you Mm -hmm. um but they don't talk about like how big is the study uh, right. Who were the subjects of the study? What exactly did the study mean? Was it even on humans? But those, um, this sort of pop science about food and nutrition, I think really feeds into this sense that if we can just get the right list of foods, then we'll be like maximizing our healthy potential. And um, that's one way that we, like you said, control our lives and control our outcomes totally. and make ourselves um, beautiful and skinny and successful Um, And it's one of the ways of having it all together is to eat the right foods and Mm -hmm. to not eat the wrong foods. Yeah. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we put so much on food and it's never really about the food, but we think we can achieve some higher level of whatever status, performance, beauty, thinness, um, anything, control. Mm -hmm. Righteousness. Righteousness. Yeah. That's another thing too. Talking about what foods are good, what foods are bad. 
what foods are like, like devil's food cake, you know, <laughs> like, like already putting like, when did yeah. chocolate become bad? Mm-hmm. Like, but also when did kale become good? Right. At the end of the day, both stemmed from the earth at some point in time, right? Like, literally (laughs) stemmed. Um, And that's, I guess, a separate conversation that we can save for a little bit later. But, um, yeah, so uh, food, when you have orthorexic symptoms and tendencies, is no longer neutral. Mm -hmm. Like, there is no neutrality. And beating yourself up if you either accidentally or intentionally ingested something that was in your forbidden foods category. Um, And then also the thing with orthorexic behavior, sometimes it can change. So sometimes it's cutting out one food group, but then deciding to try a different food group and then bringing in that other food group back in, but then cutting out a a different one instead. Mm -hmm. And just living life in these rigid, inflexible boundaries. Yeah, one so, thing you always say is that normal eating is flexible eating. Mm-hmm. And I think that in some ways is the the easiest way for me to think about orthorexia is it's not that the foods that that an orthorexic is eating are bad, it's that it's inflexible. Mm-hmm. And so that makes that's a sign that it's abnormal. Yeah. Like if you feel like you're a prisoner to your diet mm-hmm. or if you feel like you can't do anything, like you can't travel, you can't go out to social events, or if you do, you can only pack your own food or if you go on a trip and then your entire suitcase is just filled with the only granola bars that you've deemed acceptable um like it's only like rx bars and almonds that you eat and like you've you know cut out bananas i don't know i don't know it's like if 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 those are and you go on a trip and you are only eating the granola bars that you brought from home when you are on a trip like that's um that's not normal (laughs) that's not normal yeah like and And i hate to like say like what is normal and what's not normal um because normalcy everyone has their own like everyone has their own normal in life not even talking about food um i don't think there's a set baseline of how humans should all behave i I don't i'm not saying that in some ways is the problem with orthorexia because an orthorexic point of view is that there is one right way that humans should behave. Mm-hmm. That there's one right way to eat, yeah, yeah. and if I can just find it, then I'll have perfected things. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, right, yeah. Which is but interesting. Then I'm just going to just go out on a limb here, and I am going to say that um, living life by these restricted food behaviors and restricting food groups and abiding by a diet and only eating clean and focusing on clean, 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 pure, 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 organic, um, farm-raised, sugar-free this, cutting out entire food groups, being like, oh, right, currently I'm no carb, currently I'm no dairy, currently I'm no sugar, currently I'm no whatever, currently I'm no meat. Um, That's so not how humans were meant to live. Like, we were never meant to live this way. We were never meant to eat this way. And our brains are not equipped to handle this. Like, we are not emotionally and mentally meant to deal with this crap. Like, we really are not. And I do think society, on a kind of diet culture level, you know, we've been um, bombarded with diets as being normal since when we were born, you know, since before you and I even existed. And um, that is... I, I think that that has st- stimulated a lot of kind of orthorexic behavior. I think a lot of this too is about fear of um, fat. Yeah, um, the fat phobic. Yeah, mm-hmm. that um, we're so afraid of fat and fat people as a culture um, that um, we've 
sort of convinced everybody that like being fat is the worst thing you could do. And so in order to be worthy of love, worthy of success, worthy of society, you have to do everything in your power to make sure you aren't fat. Um, and if you aren't doing that, then you're not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. there are a lot of problems with all of that. Um, one being that actually like there's not that much science that shows that being fat is all that bad for you. Yeah. Um, definitely not as compared to um, like, yeah, you know, dieting and going off diets and dieting and going off diets and all that stuff. Um, not to mention the um, dangers of eating disorders. Um, but also, like, uh, the the idea that the most important thing we could spend our energy on is making sure we eat as, quote-unquote, healthfully as possible. Um, like, I want to just examine that idea because, like, just in terms of, like, thinking about what you value in your life um, or what I value in my life, um, and what I, like, want to be able to say at the end of my days. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope that the best thing I have to say for myself isn't, like, I ate organic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you right? know? Like, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I would love for it to be something about, like, what I did for other people. Yeah. <laughs> or so, the world. I even remember, well, I, I guess I, I do want to kind of maybe save this for a little bit later. Talking about kind of, like, my own experiences. But... Yeah, like, I still, I've just been thinking so much lately, like, the last 33, now 34 years of my life, the amount of time and energy that I have devoted towards my body and my weight and my eating, um, I probably could have saved the planet. (laughs) Like, I I honestly, I know, and now now I'm going to, like, now I'm going to, there's (laughs) there's so many things I want to do. Now that it's like, I just don't, you know, now that when you really do learn that you are not your body, that what the truly like these are, we're just skin sacks and these skin sacks are just um, apartments that our souls are renting. Um, I know I'm getting a little spiritual right now, but when you really learn that and you just feel at one with like yourself and your core, it's, it's really amazing for me how I've the the mental capacity now that I have to think about other things besides um, food groups and restriction and clean eating and being quote unquote healthy, um, which I thought was just normal. Yeah. I thought it was just normal. Well, it's particularly so. This is a place where I think um, orthorexia is so tricky because um, I have written here in quotes. Why shouldn't I want to eat healthy? Because I can totally picture someone listening to this and being like. Like, literally everyone is telling me to eat healthy all the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm struggling to do that. Why, like, right. what is the problem with that? And, like, you know, you're in an industry where um, people are coming to you for advice on how to eat healthy. For yeah. advice on what foods to eat and not eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those. And you're surrounded by other professionals who have opinions about what to eat and not mm-hmm. to eat. Um, expectations or perceived expectations from from clients. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's a really tricky, I really, it is tricky. I take my hat it's, off to you it's because weird. it's like, it's yeah. like, um, I think it's so hard to be in the industry that you're in 
and stay grounded because everything is pulling you off the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really crazy. And I, um, you know, it, it's been so great having this podcast for so many years because there, the, that has always been such a huge focus of mine is, is balance and is flexibility. And I feel like we're just taking it to that next degree now mm-hmm. by getting even more, um, by getting even more scientific and even more psychological with it. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Because people come to me and they are expecting me to tell them exactly what to eat, what not to eat, how much of it to eat, and then how much to exercise um, so that they can live their best life possible, regardless of whether or not that involves weight loss. Um, It's really interesting when people start to work with me now, and I tell them, like, we're actually... We're not going to talk about that. We're not doing that. Like, that's... I'm not giving you a food plan. I'm not writing you out a meal plan. I'm not telling you what time to eat, what to eat, when to eat. I can advise, but everything is to enhance your quality of life and to get you feeling the most balanced possible because I don't want to be a proponent of any type of orthorexic behaviors. Mm-hmm. And um, also people in the diet culture, the diet industry, it's like you said, they are capitalizing on our fixation with clean eating. And then they yeah. create... Um, spaces and programs where people want to be a part of it because it almost feels like this elite club. Mm -hmm. Like I even saw a place that opened up in Midtown that's literally called Clean Market. And it's like, it's, it's in, it's a buzz word that sells now and Clean Market. It's, it's like, you know, just any other wellness facility with just the normal things like Mm -hmm. sauna, uh, you know, I don't know, juice bar, all that jazz, but people make money off of it. And, um, but, I mean, people make money off of everything, but people are definitely capitalizing on this, and it's becoming a big part of diet culture. To me, and it's just, um, being, yeah. it's just It just continues being a proponent of and just stimulating more orthorexic behavior. Whole30, to me, is like the um, sort of quintessential, in my opinion, the quintessential orthorexic um, entry point. A thousand percent. Um, because I agree. it advertises itself as lifestyle lifestyle um it seems reasonable because you're still eating real foods Mm -hmm. it's just that you're cutting out these food groups which we are going to claim in telling you about this uh diet that if you cut out these food groups it's going to have these um medical uh benefits to you um and then it's going to change what you crave um and uh even just the word whole Mm -hmm. um gets into that idea of like purity um and uh yeah it's really indicative to me and it's also indicative of the line because i know lots of people probably lots of you who are listening have done whole 30 and you're not bad people and you're not stupid people yeah, and we don't judge right totally yeah and i've been there like, you know yeah. there's nothing that you can eat on whole 30 that i would be like you shouldn't eat that mm-hmm. it's just that the things it says you shouldn't eat you can totally eat yeah it's marketing it as something that will fix every aspect of your life if you just do this for 30 days and um and it will change your life yeah. and you'll you'll be a better person you're going to be a better more valuable more beautiful thinner person if you do this diet mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's still a freaking diet yeah and um 
And I have tons of friends who do it. Yeah, you yeah, do. Totally. And and I still love these friends. Hello, yeah. friends out there listening. Like, I still love you. You're great. Um, I may not have told you this to your face, how I feel about Whole30, <laughs> but you're hearing it now. Yeah. You I know? mean, you're great, but you were <laughs> great before and you'll be great after. Like Exactly. At the end of the day, we are still the same humans and we can't place our value on whether or not we are good or bad people based on the foods we are eating. And so I'm going to do a quick rundown of um, just some of some other things to watch out for if you are kind of Mm. wondering if you have orthorexic tendencies. Mm -hmm. And then I want to talk about the people out there who are thinking, well, but but why is it not? But then should I eat unclean? Like, should I only eat other foods now? Like, like let's talk about there. Right. Like, what if, if I this actually? The answer, what if what I is? actually have a gluten allergy? Yeah. Right. Like, I want to talk about that in a second. So, once again, if you have behaviors or thoughts like that are compulsive behaviors or mental preoccupations with dietary choices believed to promote optimal health, um, that's that that's like trigger or that's a flag right there self-imposed anxiety if you break your dietary rules that make you feel anxious shameful fearful of disease makes you feel impure and you actually feel like negative physical sensations if you accidentally ate dairy or if you chose to eat carbs on a night that you like didn't want that you had made them forbidden um once again severe restrictions so if you cut out entire food groups but also fasting Mm -hmm. um cleansing cleansing doing cleanses um, juice cleanses, juice detoxes, doing any type of detox, um, doing detoxes all the time, um, fasting all the time. So that's another behavior that is orthorexic. Um, and then if you are feeling any type of lifestyle disruptions, like if it's affecting, if your food obsession is affecting social situations, academic situations, professional situations because of your either beliefs or your fixation with your healthy eating. And of course, there are a lot of negative physical effects. Yeah, I wanted to talk about some of the physical effects Mm -hmm. um, because I think sometimes uh, because orthorexia doesn't necessarily have to do with calorie count. Right. Um, I think sometimes people assume that that means there are no physical downsides. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, when you are suffering from orthorexia, you if you're cutting out entire food groups, um, having really strict uh, rules about what you can and can't eat, um, there are a lot of potential really bad things that can happen to your body. Um, if you are undernourished, um, you risk heart failure because the body eats its muscle when it doesn't have enough other stuff to eat. Um, you also um, will end up reducing your resting metabolic rate because your body is trying to preserve energy, basically because like you are starving and so your body is smart and will use less energy to um, try to keep you alive. Um, it can cause slowed digestion, which can cause stomach pain, bloating, nausea, and blocked intestines, which is so tricksy because a lot of people get onto this orthorexic path trying to deal with symptoms like that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I must be um, lactose intolerant because I have this stomach pain, so I'm going to cut out all dairy. And then all of a sudden, because you're restricting so much, then you're causing like some of the very problems that you were trying mm-hmm. to avoid. Um, constipation from inadequate nutritional intake, and then um, your intestinal muscles can weaken. They can um, mess up your hormones. Totally. Oh, wait, no, they can F up your hormones. Yeah, like for well. endocrine <laughs> stuff, if you don't have enough fat and calories, your ho- hormone levels fall, and that includes estrogen, testosterone, and thyroid hormones. Um, your cycles can stop if you menstruate. Um, lowered sex hormones can lead to bone loss. Um, and your core temperature drops, so you might have like hypothermia. 
It can, starvation can cause high cholesterol levels. Um, and then your brain. Um, your brain consumes up to a third of the body's calories. So mm -hmm. if you're not giving yourself self enough calories, you can literally have diff difficulty concentrating. You can have trouble sleeping. If you don't eat enough fat, you can feel numbness and tingling in your hands and feet. Um, if you're dehydrated or you have electrolyte imbalances, it can cause seizures and muscle cramps, fainting and dizziness. Um, and then uh, to go on the outside, if you're not eating enough calories and fat, you can have dry skin, it can cause your hair to be brittle and fall out. Um, you might uh, grow this like fine downy hair called uh, lanugo, because your yeah. body's like trying to keep warm. I have seen that, yeah. Um, if you don't hydrate enough long term, it can lead to kidney failure. Um, you can develop anemia if you're not getting uh, enough iron. Um, there's a whole lot of bad things that can yeah. happen, even if you think, well, I'm just eating healthy. Mm -hmm. um, it can really cause a lot of um, harm to your body and harm that's like hard to reverse. It's not impossible, but, um, but you know, you can do some serious damage. Yeah. So that's the physical damage. And then the psychological damage is, um, the, the psychological damage is just as bad as the physical damage. And I'm really glad you listed all those things because what I do want to stress is with extreme orthorexic behavior, it's the same physical damage that having of like a full blown uh, yeah. like anorexia, anorexia or bulimia, or bulimia. Mm -hmm. um, and then those are just the two big spectrums now there are hundreds of other disordered eating and eating disordered terms in there for everything in between and um, the psychological effects are just as damaging as the psychological effects of like anorexia and bulimia so feeling like if you break dietary rules that intense guilt self-loathing um, shame, compulsion towards purification, meaning cleansing, fasting, um, and also just how much it takes up your life. Spending so much time researching, cataloging, weighing, measuring food, planning meals, um, like too much meal prep. And I know this is getting into the territory where mm -hmm. people are like, wait a minute, but I thought, but we I thought meal prep so was we'll, good. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and essentially it just taking over your life and having such rigid eating patterns that social activities, you don't go to them to avoid the food and um, it complicating social interactions. I think that's so important. The, the ways in which um, it can disconnect you from your life and the people in it, mm -hmm. I think um, is so important because um, what is the point of doing all this stuff if it takes us away from the people that we care about? Mm -hmm. um, if it makes us feel like we can't spend time with them, if we f end up feeling embarrassed to eat with our families and yeah. friends, um, or like uh, we can't be with them because they make quote unquote bad choices. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the judgments that we create of other mm -hmm. people. And also, guess what? Say, like, when you um, are judgmental about what other people are eating, they start to not want to spend time with you. Yeah. It can really, like, drive a wedge yeah. mm -hmm. in those relationships. And I've said this before in previous episodes, but when it comes to just judgment, the judgment you have of other people, um, whatever it is, is always a reflection of the own, of the judgments that you have upon yourself. So, mm -hmm. so that's something to be aware of. <laughs> just some food for <laughs> thought for you guys, literally. 
And now I want to talk about health and Mm -hmm. people who are out there right now. And I know there are a lot of you guys who are thinking, but is it wrong to want to be healthy? Is it wrong to want to have a great quality of life? Right. Do I just Um, have to give up? Do I just have to eat, quote unquote, now what I've deemed to be the bad foods now? Should I only eat the foods that I've been restricting? Like, what do I do now? And uh, to which I have to say, what I want people to think about is the two words I really want people to think about are fixation and obsession. And get real with yourself and get really honest with yourself. And I had to. Mm -hmm. I really had to. Um, When I was listing, like, at the very start of this episode, when I was listing those, like, ten things of, like, what orthorexia is. Signs and symptoms. Yeah, signs and symptoms of orthorexia and essentially what it is, you know. And now we know it's just an obsession with the quality or purification or health of your food. And um, I was like, oh, crap. I remember the first time I read that a long time ago. Um, I was like, uh, so isn't that just how, (laughs) that's not how life is for everyone? Right. There's another option. Like, that's not how everyone lives. Mm -hmm. Not everyone lives this way. Curious. Right. You know, (laughs) I was, I thought to myself that that's just really bizarre. And, um, curious. I'll address this again in 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'll deal with this later. Uh I'll deal with this later. Um, and For those people out there, I challenge you to think about how it is you react when you eat something that maybe you had attempted to restrict yourself from. First of all, go back to why is it that you've restricted something in the first place? Is it carbs? Is it sugar? Is it meat? Is it dairy? Is it gluten? Like, what what is it that you've decided to restrict yourself from? And if your answer is a nebulous quote for health reasons, take another look at that. Exactly. I challenge you to do kind of a deep dive. And at the end of the day, does it still involve you wanting to lose weight? And if it does, then I challenge you to start letting that go. And to start letting that go, it starts with just satisfaction, appreciation, and love for your body at whatever state it is in now. And to put down all attempts at weight loss. And then after working on that for a little bit, then really analyze like why it is that you've been cutting out all these food groups and analyze why it is you're fixated with the Pinterest and the Instagram and the healthy recipes. And, um, and then if you still say, well, it's because I want to feel my best. Great. Well, can you feel your best? Even if you say you don't eat one of those things, are you physically feeling unwell or are you emotionally feeling like you're beating yourself back up because you ate something that had real flour in it instead of almond flour, Mm -hmm. right? So you ate something that had gluten in it and you had told yourself you were not going to do gluten and now you've eaten gluten, maybe accidentally, maybe it snuck in or maybe you just saw a slice of pound cake in the coffee shop and you're like, oh my God, I've restricted gluten for so long. And now I just want that pound cake and I'm going to eat that pound cake. And then, oh my God, I feel terrible about myself because it wasn't a gluten-free pound cake. Like if this has ever happened to any of you, I challenge you to analyze this. And I challenge you to um, look at whether or not your morality, your morality is tied. Like, are you so, are you a bad person now? Do you feel like you now messed up? Did you mess up now that you ate a pastry that was not gluten-free? It's when our morality and when our entire sense of self-worth and when our stress and anxiety get affected so greatly by food 
that's when we need to examine orthorexic behaviors and that's when you need to get real with yourself and know that that is actually not normal and that is actually not normal at all and that and there is another option there is another option and it's actually like living in prison when you are bound to these food rules and these food restrictions and the restrictions of the food groups so now i want to talk about well what if you actually do have a gluten allergy what if you do have a dairy allergy what if you actually do have um uh, you know, what if you do have some type of issue that is medical and you have to cut out a food group? Or what if you feel like you, if you were to cut out a food group, it could help with said symptom? I get that this is tricky territory. I'm going to talk about dairy allergies. I'm going to talk about nut allergies, like people with celiac, you have a gluten allergy. Okay, we've also been told a lot, and you and I have even talked about this, I've brought this up, how, oh, you know, um, the quality of wheat is different than it was a hundred years ago. So does that mean if you eat a croissant now, you like beat yourself about it because the wheat is different now than it was a hundred years ago? If you have a medical condition, of course I get that. If you're doing it for some type of medical reason in which like you'll die if you eat something, I get it. Yeah, then don't do that. Like, don't eat nuts if you have a nut allergy. (laughs) Don't eat gluten if you have a gluten allergy. Don't eat dairy if you, like, legitimately, like, have diarrhea every single time you eat dairy. And then it gets into, like, like, I use my husband as an example. He has Crohn's. And that's an autoimmune disease. It's an inflammatory disease. So everyone wants to be on some type of anti-inflammatory diet in which they cut out all gluten, all sugar, all dairy, anything that is a potential cause for inflammation. Then you think to yourself, well, will this make me feel better physically if I cut out those food groups? And then some people might say the answer is yes. Okay, like will my husband feel better if he cuts out inflammatory foods? Maybe, you know, maybe. This is what I offer. When it comes to situations like this, you really have to ask yourself, what is the best for the you, the individual? I'm going to use Christy Harrison as an example. Mm-hmm. Christy Harrison has been on our podcast. She's the host of an amazing podcast called Food Psych. She has hypothyroidism. For hypothyroidism, if you have an underactive thyroid, yeah, if you cut out gluten, you feel better. You cut out... She has elected to not put those restrictions on herself and to just take the gosh darn medication. Yeah, same. Okay. I, I made the same choice. And... I respect that so much because she knew for her and her past and her disordered past with everything, eating disorders, and mm-hmm. um, that it would be safer for her. The, the, the benefits far outweighed the, the negatives of just mm-hmm. taking the medication and not restricting gluten. So um, I offer yeah. this as just food for thought. Um, If you tell yourself you are restricting something, quote unquote, maybe inflammatory for health reasons, I challenge you to really once again ask yourself, is it for health reasons or is it for weight loss? Are you still trying to get skinny? Do you think it's going to make you skinny if you cut out gluten and dairy? Um, Jenna Hollenstein, who uh, we talked to last week in her book, Eat to Love, she has a section about this, which is sort of like once you've gone through all this work of like intuitive eating and stuff, how do you deal with um, intolerances and Mm -hmm. things like that? And one thing she said is that um, to remember that it's always a choice um, and that 
there isn't a good or bad choice. There's just the choice you make. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, for example, with lactose intolerance, like, um, it's not that you can't have dairy. Mm-hmm. That's not the rule. The, the truth of the matter is when you eat certain foods, you have certain physical reactions. Mm-hmm. And so there isn't a right choice and a wrong choice or a, a righteous choice and a, a, you know, morally bankrupt choice. It's just when you're deciding whether or not you want to eat certain dairy products, knowing how, what, you know, happens to your body afterwards, it's just the choice you make in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's not good or bad, you know? One day you might say, you know, today I really don't want to put up with what happens to my, you know, I don't want to deal with the gas and the diarrhea or whatever. I'm not going to do it. The next day you might say, you know what, this is my favorite ice cream Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to deal with the consequences or I'm happy to take the lactate or whatever and today I'm going to do it. Um, But that um, even if you have a real medical response to something, um, you still have a choice. Um, and that choice is neutral, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and that choice is yours and it doesn't have to be the same choice for all occasions. Yeah. I think that when it comes to the world we're currently living in, I think it's important for this message to come across that, um, what has been deemed to be normal by social media and the media, um, You know, it's become normal to restrict food groups. It's become normal to just have your identity be, oh, I'm currently paleo, I'm keto, I'm Atkins, I'm low carb, I'm no carb, I'm dairy free, I'm gluten free, I'm vegan. Um, Somehow our food choices have become our identity. It's normal to tell people, oh, I'm on Whole30. And it's become normal to exist in this space where we put... I'm kind of sad. It's like we've put too much focus on health. Mm-hmm. I real like as I've d- and, and, dived and into this industry, I'm like it shouldn't exist. It's like, like one you know? particular sliver of health because yeah. that's the thing is like if you're eating all the quote unquote right foods, but you feel like depressed and disconnected from society, you aren't healthy. Mm-hmm. Health is more than food. Yeah. Health is more than exercise. Yes. Health is a, that's why when we talk about our show, we talk about being more awesome because. Health is a multi-sided, it's a multi-sided die, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, like, you were all working on all of the sides to try to come up with, like, the um, the version that makes us the happiest and lets us do the things that we want to do. And if you are all in on one side and totally ignoring the other side, mm-hmm. um, that's not actually the healthiest balance for yeah. you. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, being in the personal training world and then before being in the personal training world, um, so I started in this industry about 12 years ago when we were 22. And before that, you and I were both in the performance arts, art, performance art space and the dance world. Um, and then we were also in that world when we were young too. So it was high school, middle school, that it was a passion of ours. And, um, And somehow I created a reality in my head that in order to be successful in the industry that I was passionate at the time, which was dance and performing arts, it was so dependent on my weight. And that triggered off a whole slew of behaviors. And so by the time I was 22 and entering the world of personal training, these behaviors were just the norm. It was, there, there was, 
but then as I got a little bit older, so maybe we're talking like maybe 25, I started to really connect with this world of like body positivity and, and did go in that direction. But, and so I actively said, oh, I'm no longer pursuing weight loss, I, but I want to be healthy. Mm-hmm. I would say that, but there were still underlying, but my subconscious though was still pursuing weight maintenance because mm-hmm. I had a fear. I had a fear that if I did not eat clean and be quote unquote healthy, I would get fat. Mm-hmm. That was it. Fat phobic society, fat phobic mindset, fat phobic fear, because in my mind, if I if I gained weight, the entire world the, the entire world would collapse around me. I created a narrative in my head that if I gained weight, everyone would hate me. Everyone wouldn't love me anymore. I would no longer be able to work in any industry at all, and I would just die. Like I just created a, a narrative yeah. in my brain. However, this was all subconscious, and none of this actually ever came to the forefront of my mind, kind of like in my mid-20s. So, but on the exterior, I was all about inclusivity, movement for all, fitness for all, and I'm really happy that that's been my brand and my MO this whole time. And I realize now that so much of my, so many of my behaviors during this time of what I thought was just eating clean um, it, it, it was absolutely orthorexic behaviors. I remember I went gluten, gluten-free, dairy-free for a while mm-hmm. because I thought that that would be good for my body's quote-unquote inflammation, um, whatever the hell that means, right? <laughs> like, um, and went gluten-free, dairy-free. And one night, my husband, he made some like cream of broccoli soup. And I assumed he made it with coconut oil because that was a safe food. Mm-hmm. I could eat as much coconut oil. It's like I had this list of all these safe foods. And then I saw in the garbage can the last of, a, like, the butter wrapper. And I flipped my crap on him. Like, I I felt like I had been poisoned. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had been poisoned. Um, the This kind of actually started everything. Like, gluten-free, dairy-free. This was a few years ago. And, um, yeah, just any time then I wasn't being gluten-free, dairy-free, like on a Saturday night. And that's how you know it's not a real food allergy. Right, if you can take off Saturdays. when you take off Saturdays and Sundays. But then feeling like because I had restricted during the week, kind of going a little too overboard. Mm -hmm. And then beating myself up and then needing to essentially like cleanse or purify or like restrict again. Those food groups, for me it wasn't about quantity. Um, It was just about the, the food groups. And um, picking everything based on where I could get gluten-free, dairy-free products. um, And just always basing things off of of that. And yeah, totally tying my morality to it. And then going into the ketogenic world, Mm -hmm. that was was when I fell off the deep end. Yeah. Granted, there were so many other things that happened in this space. But um, like... You know, people ask me, like, why didn't I have a birthday party last year? It's because I didn't want to eat anything. Mm -hmm. Like, it got so far down the deep end. This is a very isolated incident this past year, um, which I kind of think is separate from, like, the last 12. It was, which I talk about in other episodes. But when things are starting to affect your social, you know, my husband wanted to take me out to dinner on my birthday. And I picked a Korean barbecue restaurant. Because I knew that would be the only place where I wouldn't have to do any type of carbohydrate because I was ketogenic. So I could only do like steak and vegetables. And I still like hated myself afterwards because of um, 
because I had eaten past like a certain point of time at night, right? Like it was, it yeah. was so, there were so many aspects to it. So what I'm trying to stress with all of this is these behaviors I had 1000% deemed to be normal. Everyone else was doing keto. Therefore, why was this abnormal for me to be um, eating in this way when there are all these health benefits eating, you know, this type of nutrition, whatever. And then with being gluten-free, dairy-free, how could it be bad to do something that was so good for my body? Yeah. It's when it gets to this point where if you were to eat something that was not in those kind of those boundaries and you flip out, like that's when you really have to question yourself. Or if you even use the language of, oh, um, I was so bad because I ate X, Y, Z. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. I want to talk about um, really quick because we're going to have to get out of here. Um, but I want to talk about what people should do if they recognize these things in themselves and they are looking for, like, w- we said, like, you have to get real with yourself. Sometimes that's not a thing you can do on your own. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to offer some um, places to go if you um, want to think, you know, if you want some help knowing some more about these issues and want some help um, for yourself. Um, one thing I would definitely suggest is um, you could go to nationaleatingdisorders.org. They have a bunch of stuff about orthorexia. Um, listen to um, Food Psych by Christy Harrison. It's a great way to get um, a bunch of really expert angles on these ideas. If you're sort of working through some questions, that's a great way to start. Um, talking to a, um, a you know anti-diet uh, nutritionist or dietitian, um, make sure that they are an anti-diet person before you go to them. Um, a nutritionist uh, uh, who specializes in eating disorder recovery, um, a coach like Holly Toronto, um, someone like Isabel Fox and Duke, um, someone like Daphne. <laughs> um, those are all great resources. Um, and uh, they're really, these issues are so tricky. If you see a therapist talking about this with your therapist, because it is totally tied into, um, you know, emotional, your emotional and psychological life. Um, getting someone else involved might be really helpful because when you're in the throes of orthorexia, it's hard to know what's normal. It's hard to know, it's hard to get that perspective on yourself and working with someone else who really knows what they're doing can help you get that perspective. Mm -hmm. Working with someone can really help. And then on your own, starting with awareness and then starting with breaking your own food rules and then dealing with the discomfort and the emotions afterwards and actually sitting with those feelings of emotion and discomfort and knowing that they're not going to kill you and that the food you just ate is actually not going to kill you. The websites that I need people to like go to, um, three girl, three gals in particular who all live here in New York. One is Holly Toronto. If you can work with Holly, if you are feeling any of these symptoms and you feel like you you actually do want someone to help um work with holly toronto and listen to our podcast episode with her and she's love your body hc and then the person who actually kind of kick-started this whole thing for me is a girl named valerie callen and valerie callen um is a friend of mine and she is the owner and her website is valeriecallen.com we'll include all of this in the show notes and uh, her 
business is body-wise nutrition therapy, intuitive eating, no diets ever, and unlearning diet culture. And my life kind of changed when I had a one-on-one coffee date with her. I wanted to ask her if she wanted to be one of my panelists for a networking event. And um, I heard her story and then I saw something she posted on Instagram and she posted a picture of like a Ben and Jerry's thing that she was eating. And my immediate reaction was like, oh my God, like she eats this. And then I posted something on my Instagram a long time ago, something along the lines of like, you know, you are what you eat. So don't be fast, cheap, easy or fake. And she responded and she was like, but what if I want to eat cheap, fast food and like blah, blah, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, crap, I just got called out. And I was like, I'm a proponent of like all, I thought this was just a cutesy meme that I was posting just about, you know, food things that I was passionate about. Her Instagram's amazing. Um, and then, so yeah, and also finding the, the social media accounts. The last one is a girl named Laura Yu, and she is friends with Holly, and her website is Laura I-U, and that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, and another coach in the realm of Valerie and they're actually really good friends. So her website's lauraiu.com and same exact principle. And so what I offer to all of you guys out there is you can absolutely create your own reality so that you are surrounded by these types of women and this type of culture and this type of language where there's no food guilt, no body shame, no calorie counting, um, saying goodbye to diets and restriction and orthorexic behaviors once and for all. And her business is Nourish New York. And like I said, we'll we'll link to all of these things. Um, and yeah, so those that I think that that's a, a good place to start. Awesome. Well, I'm going to do a quick takeaway. Um, we spent today talking about orthorexia, which is an obsession or fixation with um, healthy eating or quote unquote healthy eating. Um, and uh, basically, um, it can be just as dangerous to be obsessed with healthy eating as it can be to be obsessed with not eating or obsessed with um, eating and then, uh, you know, purging. Um, anything that's taking you away from the rest of your life that's making you feel obsessed, like you can't do the things you want to do, is a real thing. Um, and there are people who can help you and there is a path forward. Um, even if it feels like being obsessed with those things is normal, um, it doesn't have to be your normal. And uh, there is a lot of um, freedom and exciting stuff on the other side. So I encourage you to check out our show notes for more resources. Um, email us if uh, you had a strong reaction to this episode. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling. You know, I have a feeling people some are. people might. And, like, we will talk to you. Um, info at justonemorepodcast.com. We want to talk about it with you. Um, uh, yeah. If this is something that's going on for you, we feel you. And um, we send you our love. And we hope that um, that talking about it just a little bit today can be an entry point to looking at it more um, and, and uh, you know, helping all of us get to a more awesome place. Um, thanks, Daphne. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw-Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. 
For show notes, help subscribing, and to join us on Patreon, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justonemorepod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.